Hey, it's Bill Simmons. I wanted to tell you about a new podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network that we are launching this week. It's called TV Concierge. It's only available on Spotify. These are 12 to 15 minute mini podcasts that review the latest TV shows streaming on Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, HBO, Showtime, FX, Apple TV, wherever else. We'll preview new shows that are launching. We'll break down the biggest shows that just launched. We'll review the biggest binge watch seasons that drop as they happen. You can listen to one. You can listen to all three. It's up to you. It's our new TV concierge podcast from the Ringer Podcast Network. Think of it like a little bit of a playlist. Pick and choose the ones you want to listen to. It's available only on Spotify. All right. Welcome to Against All Odds, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. Coming off a fun weekend, I'm relatively speaking. We still, we're not allowed to leave our houses. How you doing? Heel producer Jim Cunningham's with me. What's going on, man? I'm great. Another day couldn't be any better. <laughs> Did you watch uh, the draft? I was, I was excited. We had something, something to bet. I lost a lot of money. I'll get into that in a minute. <laughs> but it was nice to have something to, to stare at and football and be hopeful for the fall. Um, how much of the draft did you watch? A lot of it? No. Yeah, I watched most of probably the first and second round. I could have used more um, human interest stories. Yeah. Too much football <laughs> in that thing. I could have used the, even some more. They could have drafted you know, just funny. stories. I did the uh, I did the podcast with Simmons um, Thursday night, and he was making fun of Joe Lenardi and all the human interest stories. I was like, yeah, and I thought I remembered one or two, and I, but I played along. And I made fun of Booger McFarlane and he like kind of half laughed and played along. And then we realized we weren't watching the same broadcast of it. He was watching the ABC version. I was watching the ESPN version, which was much more sports intensive, uh, <laughs> intensive, less, you know, human interest side. And uh, we didn't pick up on that. But I thought oh, NFL did a fantastic job. I was happy it was back. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to think. I, I'm just happy anything's back. Maybe Tiger King wasn't that great. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, uh, my maybe Michael Jordan was a bum role player. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows if Dennis Rodman is even interesting anymore? I don't know. But we're gonna we're gonna figure it all out this week with uh, my gurus of gambling, my wizards of wagering, my barons of betting, my overlords of the odds, the degenerate trifecta, Harry, brother Bry, and Darren, the parlay kid. What's happening, fellas? What's going on, Sal? Sal, what's up? What's going on, buddy? Oh, uh, Andrew Brandt is going to join us in a bit. He's a longtime lead counsel for the Packers front office guy. I've been involved in tons of war rooms and drafts. He now has a podcast, The Business of Sports. He's got a new column on SI.com talking about Green Bay. We're going to talk about Green Bay, what they did, taking Jordan Love when they already have a quarterback, a capable quarterback. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's interesting. A lot of interesting things with this draft. Uh, not the least of which the parlay kid 12 and two with his picks, I think maybe Ooh. even more. I mean, there are some it's a little round of applause there. We don't get wow. that a lot. We went over a lot of props parlay kid to it to the Dolphins. Damn it. That was I should have just jumped on that. That was nice. Yeah. Herbert to the Chargers Tua over four and a half Herbert over five and a half love over 19 and a half quarterbacks under four and a half in the first round rugs. The first wide receiver Are you kidding me swift over. Hertz over Fromm was your best bet. That was a winner. Uh, Fromm, uh, I, I think, was he drafted? He might have just gotten drafted like five minutes ago. Um, Bama under players. You also said Hilaire, possible first running back. Eh, I don't remember that one, but good job. Uh, <laughs> Twelve and two, nice. <laughs> Me <job>. neither. <laughs> no, I, 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 I listened. I, I did re-listen to the podcast about eight times this week. <laughs> nice. Um, just to uh, feel really good about myself. I did mention Hilaire. I said Hilaire could possibly be the first running back taken. Um, I like that. I, I really, Sal, look, there's a reason why Tony Romo uh, penned me as, uh, and you guys were there when he said, hey, this guy knows more about football than anybody I've ever met. That I remember. <laughs> that I do remember. Might have been a little too much uh, blue Gatorade and vodka that night for, for number nine, but he did say that. He did actually say that, but and uh, I don't want to mention how how much capital you turned this into, Paul. Like, but it does not reflect does not About, reflect twelve and two. It does not, and that's what happens when you parlay everything. Right. Uh, you, you turn. You know. You take one or two losers, and everything becomes a loser. Uh, but overall, so it was a fun time to bet. I really kind of uh, you know nothing, nothing good or nothing bad really happened out of it. So right, if you. 
yeah, still still surviving. It was wasn't bad. It was fun. It was fun. You know how you could guarantee nothing good or nothing bad's gonna come out of it? Don't bet at all, which is what our friend Harry did. Um <laughs> he had a lot, a lot of opinions. Um he claims he went eight and three last week. Uh Herbert to the Chargers, love uh rugs mm-hmm. under hurts. I'm reading all these that he sent me that always went. But he lost his best bet, which was a homer pick, the Arizona receiver. Um, to get taken over Riga, right? Was that what it was? Yeah, that's what it was. But come on. Ayuk- I, mean, I mean, honestly, uh, San Francisco traded down because they wanted uh, Ayuk. Uh, and, and honestly, what in the world was the Eagles doing? I mean, awful. I mean, I know Green, Green Bay was bad in the draft. Brian's Raiders weren't great either. But, I mean, Philadelphia has – they had no name receivers at the end of the season. And they take – when with the 21 21- – pick they take Jalen Rieger uh he had one 100 yard game in his last 15 games I know he's fast but he's 5'11 when Justin Jefferson's out there and at six foot three for LSU and and uh, all his stats and everything and you, they go Rieger when he wasn't even picked in the first round by anybody I mean Philadelphia come on get with it yeah I think uh well they uh, first of all I want to mention Joe House jumped on your pick. You were so excited about it. And in solidarity, he's like, I'm jumping on Harry's pick. He put an ungodly amount on it. Mm. Ungodly compared to your zero. Because what did you say? You ran out of time. You couldn't bet on the draft because you ran out of time, right? Ran out of time. Yeah. I was yeah. busy that day. A lot of stuff going around, <laughs> going on around here. Uh, that you know, day. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm uh, busy that day. Brother Brian's been pro- texting I'm on me the, draft I'm bets not, for listen, three years. <laughs> Three years ago for this draft. I'm on the celebrity prowl again. I got a lot of stuff going on around here. That's right. You did scope out Cliff Kingsbury's uh, bachelor pad there. Spectacular. You say (laughs) maybe that's a good place for you to go and uh, move your bowels now, right? That's where I go jogging every day, right by his house. Step it up. Um, By the way, this is all you need to know about Harry. Uh, I was getting, I probably shouldn't even mention this, but I had a guy on the inside who was uh, privy to the Google Doc and he was getting the picks like two and a half minutes ahead of time. He was alerting me to him, which I couldn't do anything gambling wise. I wasn't going to post them publicly, but it was just fun to know and, and bother these guys, ruin their surprise. And Harry texts me separately. He's like, oh, I'm doing a radio show. Could you tell me what the picks are ahead of time? I want to look, I want to look smart. He wants wow. to look smart. Yeah. I asked wow. for a couple. I just wanted a couple. Wow. Uh, and you slammed the door here. on me. None. That's right. I did the right thing. What do you think of that, Jim Cunningham? That's amazing. What a scoundrel. That would take a lot of picks. <laughs> for him to look smart? <laughs> yeah. A lot of picks. Right. Right. When, when, many, many, when, Harry many just, when Harry just said before the 21th pick in the draft, that wasn't smart? <laughs> Is that what I said? Really? Is that what I said? No. Okay. 20, 21 TH, right? Mm. Yeah. Uh, brother Bry, uh, <laughs> your best bet hurts over from good job by you. I, uh, I jumped on that and sharp tank. That was a winner. Uh, you had two it to the dolphins. You had love to the Packers. You mentioned offensive player over defense, Andrew Thomas for the first tackle. What was that? Plus three seventy five. Uh, that was plus nice. Plus four seventy five. So that kind of, wow, that was a, a good one for me right out of the gate. Considering that I think I lost like. I lost like 10 bets in a row right after that. But between, I felt like I had hundreds of bets and I ended up uh, profiting $46. So, uh. <laughs> <laughs> isn't it how it always works? See, it's isn't, really it, see isn't it better not to bet? Jesus, isn't it better? I guess. Yeah. Harry, <laughs> tell, tell Joe House that. Tell House that. Uh, I will say, Brother Bry, Harry's right about your Raiders kind of set the wheels in motion. They did. Effing every, they effed everything up. Along the way, they take rugs, the fastest receiver. You're never supposed to take the fastest receiver, right? Isn't that how it works? Um, setting the wheels in motion. Cowboys kind of had to take C.D. Lamb there at 17, which I don't even know if the Eagles were planning on taking a receiver, but they kind of had to after the Cowboys did. Like Cowboys had to take him to block the Eagles from getting Lamb, and then I'm not even sure. I'll talk to the Pauly kid about this in a second, but your Raiders, rugs. Damon Arnett from Ohio State, like 65th on most draft boards. They take him late in the first round. You knew you weren't going to be happy. You predicted it, and uh, there you go. You should have won money for predicting that you would be unhappy yeah, with the Raiders draft. Well, for sure. I mean, I knew I was going to be unhappy. Look, I I said last week between Judy Lamb and Ruggs, you couldn't really go wrong except 
for the Raiders, I didn't think Ruggs was the best pick, but I'm not going to abs- I'm not going to kill them for it. I didn't really like it, but I'm not going to kill them for the Ruggs pick. But the Arnett pick was absolutely terrible. Again, it's mm-hmm. one of those things. If you're going to draft this guy, please just trade down 10, 15, 20 picks. He's going to be there. If he's not, there's going to be somebody comparable that you could take. I'm sick of the Raiders doing this all the time. And and that really did. Uh, that Arnett pick, I know you guys had under, right, for Ohio State yeah. players. So that screwed you guys on a bunch of bets. Oh, um, yep. But, you know, I, it, I'm i just, you know, as it turned out, when you looked at day two, the way the quarterbacks fell, I'm like, Arnett would have definitely been there at the end of the second round, probably into the third round. Uh, we might have had a chance of grabbing him there and another top guy at 19. So I really thought we we blew that pick for sure. Doesn't that just suck? And I know Harry put, put grades on everybody. I don't like putting grades on drafts because I, I think these players need two, three years to develop before you know. But the one thing, you like, Polly Kid, you wouldn't grade. You're an educator. You wouldn't you wouldn't give grades to pe- kids the first day of school, right? You would just, unless they were on the wrestling team or football team, they're for sure getting an A. But you wouldn't. Normally, you have to see what's going on before you give grades, right? And it's kind of silly. Yeah, grades are overrated, but that doesn't mean you can't enjoy, you know, right. how well your team did or how well you think they did in the draft. I mean, it all remains to be seen. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, if so, if you were to give our Cowboys a grade, uh, what would you give them? Well, so here's what's interesting with the Cowboys. And a lot of this may, probably kid, you brought it up in text. It might have something to do with the fact that they didn't have a lot of the intercommunications that they would with these players. Normally they wouldn't, you know, they didn't even see doctors, didn't get to work them out. Um, So the Cowboys kind of, and you said this, they kind of went like on auto draft. They had the best player available um, (laughs) at every every spot, like number one, number one receiver, number two receiver falls to 17 in a very deep receiver class. You have to take them when you have Trevon Diggs to replace Byron Jones with that second pick. You have to do that. The defensive tackle from Oklahoma is nice. You could uh, draft the Wisconsin center to replace Travis Frederick. You do it. Awesome. And, uh, yeah, if you got to give him a grade, it's kind of like when we do our fantasy grade uh, draft and the guy who pretty much did the auto draft is going to get the A because, yeah, they rank the players. So the next yes. day when you see it. But, yeah, you were happy with it, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, my household exploded on the C.D. Lamb pick. Mm-hmm. We were ecstatic. Uh, I read something today um, from Will McClay, who's really the Cowboys draft expert there. And um, he said Mike McCarthy had said to him, Players over system. And I think that maybe helped uh, forge the way they drafted there. And Mm -hmm. I think that's always the best way to go. A good coach will develop a system around his players, right? Rather than vice versa, I think, in some cases. So McCarthy said, hey, get me the best players available and I'll make it work. I like that. I like like the fact that Mike McCarthy said that. I feel real good about it. And they just had – they really addressed all their needs – uh, in this draft, and you and I had, had talked about it, and last on the last podcast about them possibly taking a receiver uh, with their pick, and they did. And I know you hit that pretty well because that was about plus two hundred or something like that for them to take an offensive player offensive player with right. their first pick. Yeah, plus two fifteen. Yeah, yeah. I was uh, excited about having a win actually out of the, the dozens that I've <laughs> recommended. Yeah, that was good. You have to feel good for the Cowboys, which makes me think there's not going to be a season <laughs> because because it all is kind of working out for them. Maybe, and and that's the other thing we talked about it. You know, everyone's like the the, the cowboy haters are like, oh, you passed on a safety in the first round. You're, well, good luck. Good luck. You're going to have to score 50 to win these games. Like, real. first of all, since when does a safety change the course of the whole? For, it never happens with the Cowboys. They're the worst. We really swing and miss a lot on yeah. uh, on defensive, like uh, cornerbacks and safeties, secondary players. Like, you know, Mars Claiborne was our worst picked first round pick of all time. We traded up for him. I don't even yeah. remember. Will Cox was okay seven years ago. The, I, I was I was totally fine passing on a safety or a corner there, weren't you? Yeah, well, listen, Barry Church and Jeff Heath have been their safeties. Yeah. Uh, they were both undrafted, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and their defense has not been spectacular. Maybe that's why. But they did exactly what they had to do. And I heard they might be moving uh, one of their D-backs, uh, Awuzie, to safety now. Uh, yeah. From what I understand, because they drafted some, they're very deep at defensive back now, and I think that might be a good 
uh, change for him as well. So, yeah, you just take the best player. You'll figure the rest out. That's that's how it goes. That should be how it goes. All right, look, we're going to go over. Uh, they have odds. Fox Bet has odds out for Offensive Rookie of the Year, Defensive Rookie of the Year, and the first player drafted in next year's draft, which is kind of fun. We're going to go over that right now. Offensive Rookie of the Year, Joe Burrow. Uh, no surprise there. Plus 250 favorite Clyde Edwards-Alaire, the Chiefs running back. They slammed him. So, all right, I, I got killed with two bets. The under two and a half players from Ohio State taken. Bri- Brother Bryce Raiders oh. screwed me there. And you too, Parley kid, with the, yep. taking the corner there. That should have gone like 70th. And uh, and the other bet was that Alabama would, would have more first-round selections than LSU. They had a four-to-one lead by like the 17th pick. And then it was tied for the longest time, 4-4. I was like, all right, let me just get by this freaking Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Malcolm Jamal Warner pick, and I'll be fine. And uh, (laughs) sure as shit, the Chiefs take him, so I lose 5-4 there. LSU had a lot more uh, players anyway as it ended up. But that first round, they won 5-4. And that's what buried me, those two picks. But anyway, Hilaire is second at 7-1. Jonathan Taylor, 9-1, number three. Uh, Tua uh 10 to 1 is fourth. And then DeAndre Swift is also 10 to 1. Jerry Judy, 13. What else? Uh, CD Lamb, 14. So on. And so J.K. Dobbins, 16. Justin Herbert, 17 to 1. Um, let's go with you, Harry. Uh, you're going long shot here for Offensive Rookie of the Year. I am. I'm going to go with the uh, 22nd pick overall by the Vikings. Uh, the wide receiver from LSU that I mentioned before. Justin Jefferson at 32 to one. Now, look, this guy's got terrific hands. He can play in the slot if he needs to. Uh, Minnesota had that trade with the Bills, so there's no more Stefan Diggs. Um, the Adam Thielen was the second bet after after Diggs had the most catches for a wide receiver for the Vikings last year. I know he's hurt, but only had 30 total catches last year. Uh Jefferson put up crazy numbers at LSU, 2,400 yards, 24 touchdowns in the last two seasons with Burrow throwing him the ball. And we know in that in the national semifinal uh, game versus Oklahoma, he went for 229 and four touchdowns in the first half. So at six feet three, uh, with no more Stefan Diggs with the Vikings, Kirk Cousins has a guy to go to uh, other than Thielen, who's, who knows about how healthy he is. This guy can do it all, and he can do it immediately and step right in and be possibly the leading receiver for the Vikings at 32 to one. That's great value. Yeah, I'm not going to kill you because it's 32 to one, but it is so hard for a, first of all, that's a good offense anyway. For him to shine there is going to be it's going to be difficult. But it's so hard for a wide receiver to win this award anyway. You're looking at the last six, seven, eight, nine, ten, ten years. It was only Beckham. Beckham was the only wideout that did it. He had 12 touchdowns, 1,300 yards. So that's sort of what you have to do. And he had all of New York backing him. The media. He was a flamboyant player. It all helped for Beckham. So 32 to one. LSU nice guys, LSU. That's true. I don't see. Uh, I don't see a receiver though. Um, Parley kid, what do you say? So I like uh, Taylor with the Colts at nine to one for offensive rookie of the year. Uh, I I know some people a little bit worried about maybe him sharing the backfield with Mac, but mm-hmm. they didn't take him in the second round for no reason. They're going to use him. He is a great fit behind potentially maybe the best offensive line in football, runs a 4-3-9 at 226 pounds. Look, if this, if this draft, he was available in this a draft, say, 20 years ago, he's a top 10 pick. It's The value of the running backs now are just not that great. So he slides, but he is a, a ultra-talented running back. He's going to be playing half his game's minimum on a fast turf. This kid's a sprinter who's big. Rivers isn't going to throw the ball 40 times a game. Frank Reich is a very good offensive coach. Uh, this is just another weapon from, I think Taylor gets between minimum 15 to 20 carries a game. Uh, he's going to end up with about 1,200 yards uh, minimum, I think, and maybe scores between 10 to uh, 12 touchdowns, and that wow. might be enough to get him rookie of the year. I really do like him in this scenario sitting here at 9-1. to one. That should be if he puts up those numbers. Nine to one's not bad for Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, splitting time. I'm just looking at all these guys that split time, brother Bry, and it makes me think that, well, also the fact that they lean towards quarterbacks makes me think that they're going to go quarterback. Kyler Murray probably shouldn't have won over your guy, Jacobs, Josh Jacobs, running back for the Raiders last year, but they gave it to him. 
and he didn't even have outstanding stats. He had 20 touchdowns. He had 12 interceptions. That's why I think Joe Burrow, not a sexy pick, plus 250, probably the way to go, right? Yeah, I mean, I think at plus 250, I mean, I think those are still pretty good odds. I think Murray at the same point last year was probably very similar in odds, uh, 2-1, to plus 250. Uh But this year, there are definitely a lot more choices for Offensive Rookie of the Year. So if I was looking at a long shot, maybe I would look at somebody like Akers for the Rams because if if he's the primary primary ball carrier, um, he could put Uh up some good stats. But like you were just saying with the Jacobs thing, if Jacobs didn't win it last year for a guy who missed some games and still had great stats, I think a running back or a receiver is going to have to put up 1,200 or 1,300 yards Right. And that's going to, you know, that's going to be tough, especially for the receivers. Rookie receivers just in general don't don't win this award, award that often. So like out of the last 15 years, there's been two receivers that have won. It was Percy Harvin won and Beckham won. And those were years where the quarterback play was down. Um, mm-hmm. So I think, again, so Burrow, I mean, we've never seen a quarterback like him last year in terms of at least stats wise. In college, I think, you know, him coming into the NFL a little bit older, um, I do expect him to put up good numbers right away. I think he could definitely match Murray's numbers from last year, probably be even better. I think the Bengals will uh, improve tremendously with him next year as the quarterback. So I think at plus 250, I think it's it's good odds. And I think at some point in time, we're going to be like, should we put Burrow on something? You know, he's even money yeah. right now. Should we parlay him with something? So I like those. I saw something a parlay kid's going to love. I think it was Burrow offensive, Chase Young defensive, and shit, what was the other one? Like Mahomes MVP? I think it was like 70 to 1 or something crazy. <laughs> He's definitely something parlay. crazy. Oh, my gosh. Definitely parlay. I'll send, Did you really see that? I'll send it to you, parlay kid. I'm, uh, I'm, maybe, I'm, oh. I'm, maybe I'm having corona dreams or something, but I, I really think I saw that on Fox. <laughs> but one thing Fox yeah, Bet has would, is that. Uh, would be that. And bro, Brother Bry, you said, yeah, it would be about that. Brother Brian, you said he, he should match or exceed Kyle Murray's numbers. Foxbet has his over under 21 and a half touchdowns. I think that goes up. I think uh I think the the you know the Joe Burrow fever increases as we get oh, closer sure. to the fall. Yeah, now so would be the time have, to take it. He should have some goal line look. I think he's right around there. That's pretty fair. All right, let's go to defensive rookie of the year odds uh on Foxbet. Chase Young mentioned the skins plus three sixty. Isaiah Simmons, nine to one, is second. Patrick Queen, 17 to one. Uh, AJ Epinesa, 18 to one. Javon Kinlaw, oh, Kinlaw's 20 to one. This is all screwed up. Kenneth Murray, 20. Akuda for the uh, Lions, 22. And then we get in uh, Derek Brown, 22 also. And Willie Gay Jr., 25. Um, this is an interesting award because it's mostly first round, mostly first top three or four picks like the Bosa brothers did it. They won the award. You had uh Marshawn Lattimore. I think it was like a 11th or 12th pick right there. 13th, maybe um, he won the award. Darius Leonard kind of screws it up two years ago. He was a second round pick and won this thing as a long shot. Um, Harry, I think I agree with you with Isaiah Simmons. Uh, rush the passer 71 times, kind of does everything for Arizona. I don't know if this is an Arizona hometown pick for you, but it's not for me. He plays all over the place. This is the kind of guy that wins it. Played 218 snaps at safety, 286 at slot corner, 160 outside linebacker. You know, he's one of those um, Swiss Army Knife players. I think he's got great closing speed. He was inside linebacker for 120 snaps. Mm-hmm. You like him at 9-1, to one, I also do. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I I wanted him to actually go to the Giants uh, at four. Didn't go. Slipped down to eight where the Cardinals grabbed him. Look, I've been on Simmons when uh, we were talking college football last year, how great he was. He had 125 tackles, seven sacks, two picks last year. The year before, 104 tackles. Elite versatility. Uh, He had the fastest uh, combine time since 2006 for a a technically a linebacker this past season, uh, this past combine. Um, I think... It'll be it'll go a long ways to see in terms of voting here for considering the Cardinals last year gave up 96 receptions, 16 touchdowns and over 1100 yards to tight ends. So if he can clog the middle and stop that and uh, and help out my uh, my neighbor Cliff Kingsbury's uh, defense, uh, <laughs> it'll, it'll do wonders for him in terms of getting voted for defensive player of the year. Plus, like you said, Sal, he is all over the place all the time. 
Yeah. All right. Isaiah Simmons, nine to one. That'll be fun. Parley kid, what you're going more long yeah. shot here. Yeah. By the way, the uh, value of Cliff Kingsbury's beautiful house is going down and down right now, right? <laughs> As we speak. And he should invest in some curtains being that Harry's already <laughs> taking pictures of his trash. We're getting pictures of uh, maybe somebody should alert Kingsbury. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Sending, yeah. oh, no. Yeah. Yes. He's like, he's looking through his trash, taking pictures of it. Um, somebody should alert the You didn't get that? You there. didn't get that pic, Sal? No. He, Sal, didn't send Sal, it to Sal wasn't lucky enough to he get sent that. sent it to me, too. He did? Yep. What are you looking? You looking for lunch, Harry? What are you doing? I. <laughs> Uh, that is unbelievable. <laughs> By the way, I could see Cliff. Remember Bronx Tale Parlay Kid, where they said they wouldn't let uh, coffee cake. He couldn't watch as the kid rolled the dice. That's what's going right. to be with Harry. But, and that, I don't want that that face looking at this house. Throw him in the bathroom. Look, I'm just that's waiting. I'm be. just waiting for him to have one of those uh, crazy uh, pool parties he has. You know, maybe I get the invite. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm sure you'll get the invite. Sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, all right. Well, Go getting ahead, back like to my picks for defensive uh, rookie of the year here. Yeah. So I got, I'm got. i going to really talk about two guys. I think they're both great value and basically play the same position. So Queen on the Ravens at 17-1 to 1, and Kenneth Murray on the Chargers at 20-1. to 1. Uh, Two high-character, high-energy players. I can consider them uh, – they, they're plug-and-play guys, right? They're going to start immediately for both their teams. They're going to be high-volume tacklers. They could both lead their teams in tackles. Uh, and we well, that's kind of how Leonard won it uh, uh, two years ago. Uh, mm -hmm. I think these two at this value, um, especially Queen playing already playing on a good defense where he could immediately become like a standout on that defense. And kind of the way Derwin James came in uh, for the Chargers a couple years ago, made a name for himself. I think Kenneth Murray at twenty to one, uh, great kid. He's going to be a great player there for the Chargers. I think they both could lead their team in tackles, and when that happens. Um, at those odds, I kind of like them as uh, the defensive rookie of the year, and I do like I do like Young, but I do think, man, I think I, I don't like I don't think any of these tackles are going to want to uh, get beat by a rookie this year. So I could see him maybe not getting the sacks that he needs to get to win that award, but uh, he is a special player too. There you go. All right, yeah, a lot of people like Queen there. I, I did a little hit while I'm locking in with uh, with Clay Travis and uh, Todd Furman. They both like Queen. Hey, Parlor Kid, maybe Mallory will let you borrow her jersey. It all turns out seventeen and one. Why not do it, uh, brother Bry? You're also going long shot, and it's a defensive tackle who wears a single number jersey, which I love. <laughs> yeah, I like I love uh, Derek Brown at twenty two to one. Um, you know, I do like the linebackers too, like Darren was saying with those guys, because if you do look historically a few, again, a few stats, just over the last 15 years, seven of the defensive rookie of the years have been linebackers, three, three yes. DNs, three D tackles, two cornerbacks. And Sal, one thing you said too, about all these high picks, 13 of the 15 were first round picks and the other two were the 33rd and the 36th pick in the draft. So most of these guys, right. yeah, are just going to be one of those top guys. But when you look at, Brown, I thought he was probably the most NFL ready along with Young and Simmons coming into the draft. He probably would have been a top three, top five normally, fell to seven. Um, not that that's a big drop, but he's a guy who's going to have an immediate impact uh, with the Panthers. Um, and while his sack numbers at Auburn were that high, I mean, he only had maybe five sacks a year. Um, probably in the pros, he'll pro you know, he's facing a ton of double teams in the pros. You probably should have, you know, he could definitely easily get even in a rookie year, potentially get eight or nine sacks. Um, but I just, he's one of those guys is going to be starting right out of the gate for them. He's explosive. Um, he's going to be in a division with uh, Drew Brees and Tom Brady. So he's going to get a lot of, a lot of airtime. So I think at 22 to one, I, I just love those odds for my, I'm actually shocked that they're that high for somebody of his caliber. Cause I do think he's, you know, a top three defensive player regardless. Let's face it guys. And I, I hate it because I hear sec talk all the time on lock it in, but these guys sort of seem to have a, an edge, right? Isaiah, all, the, all these guys we talked about queen, Isaiah Simmons, uh, Brown, like, uh, although Clemson Clemson's not sec, but, but I, I just feel like they adjust to, the speed better, the yeah. scheming and everything else uh, that you'd be able to see in the NFL. Um, by the way, Harry just sent me the pictures of Cliff Kingsbury's garbage. This is unbelievable. <laughs> this is really something. 
Now, Harry, listen, let me just tell you, one of the pictures you have his address on there. Don't po- don't be a dick. Don't post that. You should not. I'm not posting that. that. I just sent that to I, you. Well, listen, you, I know you need to be told, but Jim <laughs> Cunningham, you know, you know, he would post that in a heartbeat, right? Of course. And retweet it. Yeah. And yeah. And retweet it again. Yeah. Quote, retweet it. And, All right. and then, okay. then yeah. ask me to tweet it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I went to a pool party at Cliff Kingsbury's once, July 4th. Did you in really? LA, yeah, wow. in LA, rented like some crazy mansion. I ended up going. Is this it was true? Crazy. This is yeah, a real it was story. About maybe four years ago, four or five years ago. I think I was Amandola ask you, was there. Jim, a people. Jim, I was going to ask you, how did you get the invite? Um, my girlfriend at the time, her friend was dating one of his friends. Mm. Yeah. Wow. It was cool. It was crazy. Nice. And uh, yeah, Harry, you're probably not going to get invited to one. Just like yeah, you. yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <laughs> I'll just I mean, call the cops imagine, for the loudness. <laughs> imagine being in, uh, invited to any pool party, any party for that matter, when we yeah. could leave our houses. That'd be nice. Uh, Harry's got it all figured out. He's taking matters into his own hands. Uh, all right. First player drafted next year. The odds Swimming are on Fox bet. <laughs> Trevor Lawrence, the obvious favorite, minus 286. Um, Justin Fields, quarterback, Ohio State, plus 310. Uh, Penesul, the Oregon offensive tackle, uh, he is third at plus 450. Derek King, 16 to 1, Houston quarterback, uh, is fourth. And then we have Micah Parsons, 25 to 1 from Penn State, is fifth. What about Travis Etienne? Harry, you loved him for, uh, for Heisman. He's mm-hmm. 30 to 1 to jump back this year to be the number one pick. Jamar Chase, the LSU wide receiver, is seven, 33 to 1. Then we go into the weeds here a little bit. Quarterback for Georgia, Jamie Newman, 35 to 1. Uh, Greg Rousseau, defensive end for Miami, 35 to 1. It goes on and on. Alex Leatherwood, tackle Alabama, 35 to 1. Let's start with you. Um, Parlay Kid, Trevor Lawrence, the favorite. I don't know. He might have been the favorite this year. The, I mean, just, it's just it's a quarterback thing, right? Now yeah. the last three have been quarterbacks. Uh Baker, Kyler, yep. Burrow. Five out of the last six. Yeah. Um, nine of 12, 15 of the last 20. Why wouldn't you take a quarterback here, right? Yeah. I think if Lawrence had come out this year, uh, he might have, you might have had talk of him going over Burrow. Uh, right. So uh, I'm not sure. I don't really love these odds for Lawrence, but I, I don't think you could find a, a too early mock draft here that doesn't have Lawrence going number one, right? It had, I understand that a lot of it will depend on the team that has the number one pick and what their needs are. But I think unlike this year where you didn't see any trades early, I think next year there's several quarterbacks available, Lawrence being the the prize there, that teams will look to trade for that number one pick to take Lawrence. I think you could book that right now. So I don't think anybody but Lawrence, barring injury, will be the first pick in this draft. I'm actually seeing something come across Fox Bet right now that has you could take Lawrence as the number one pick and Heisman Trophy winner for plus 650. Really? Wow. Yeah. Mm. Wow, Although we know really Fields is going to put up phenomenal numbers for Ohio State. Yeah. That's the thing. So that Heisman, that's the, that's the thing. But that did come across a very... Interesting on Fox bet. Yeah. Brother Bri, what do you think the odds were for, uh, I probably didn't even have it on the board. Joe Burrow for first pick this time last oh, year. Right. Well, that's over, over a hundred, right? Right. That's the thing, oh, right? Yeah. Even for Heisman, his odds were full oh, geez out of this world. So yeah he, yeah, he wouldn't even have been up there. So, I mean, and you would have assumed coming into this year too, would have been what? Two would have been minus 200 to be the first quarterback. Right. So I, I guess uh-huh. that's where you'd have to be hesitant with that bet. Yeah, for sure. Um, what do you like? Uh, what do you like for first? Yeah, pick? so I mean that's the thing, right? I think even last year, you know, they've been putting out odds for Lawrence. I mean, for the last like at least year uh, for twenty twenty one, and I think it's always been about minus two hundred. Um, people have been touting him as the first pick for the last like three or since he's been in high school. Although I kind of the field fields odds I kind of like as well, but I'm gonna say Penile Sewell. Um, so I, I again. Lawrence, I mean, I just think the odds minus, you know, minus 300, basically, I think it's at this point in time, way too early to to lay that kind of money for it. But there is a good chance that a team with the first pick is already going to have recently drafted a quarterback. Um, 
Mm-hmm. And obviously teams can trade will want to trade up for a guy like Lawrence next year. But uh I mean you we saw how it worked out this year with no trades either at the top. So but Sewell is kind of a once in a generation type offensive lineman. Um haven't heard too many of the comparisons really, but he probably is the best one since like Orlando Pace, I would think. Um he's just a, a gigantic human being. He's like six six, three fifty, but he's lean when you watch him. Super powerful. I mean, the kid's only 19 still. So I remember his freshman year at Oregon, he was, you know, when he was playing, he was 17 years old and he was already like the best lineman in college football. So um, I just think, you know, odds wise, you know, maybe the first two teams in the draft maybe already have a quarterback. So um, if that's the case, um, I kind of like it at plus 450. Yeah, that's a Jeff Schwartz favorite right there. He scours the Pac-10, oh, big, big Oregon, yeah. Oregon grad anyway. <laughs> six six three, like you said, between three thirty and three fifty. Not bad. I'm still looking for the quarterback though, Harry. And I know I'm not going to get him from you, <laughs> but who who is taking the LSU? Who is it? Miles Brennan would find a guy like that. Maybe somebody could surprise. Um, I read a couple. The you know Jamie Newman, George. I think I took like from last year for Heisman and first pick and all that stuff. I just got the wrong ones. But if you could find that quarterback, anyway, Harry's not going to help us with that, even though I'm surprised he didn't take Sam Ellinger in the spot at 90 to one. Who's your pick for first pick? 90 to one is, is nice, but yes, I do believe it's, it's definitely going to be a probably go be a quarterback, but still I'm going to take a wide receiver here. Devante Smith, 45 Uh. to one at from (laughs) Alabama. Look, a new quarterback. If he can put up Uh numbers that he put up this past year, Listen, he had he had more receiving yards than Jalen Waddle. He had more receiving yards than Henry Ruggs, and way more, and more than Jerry Judy. He had the most receiving yards at Alabama in a season since Amari Cooper in 2014. He had 1,200 yards. He averaged 100 yards a game. Judy averaged 80, and he had 13 touchdowns last year too. So if he can put up similar numbers with a new quarterback, no no Tua around, you know why not? Listen, plus it's an Alabama guy. Uh, I don't know. Now, now I think you're wasting everyone. You're just wasting everyone's money now. I mean, you're going to go. You I, more, I go the other listen, way. more receiving yards than the guy that got picked uh, first overall, and uh, and Jerry Judy as well in terms of wide receivers in the NFL draft a couple days ago. First of all, you don't even know who their quarterback. They're between like three guys, Alabama right. this year. You're giving up 76 touchdowns in two years from Tua. Probably should have been like 90 or 100 if he stayed healthy. So this guy's going to stand out. Keyshawn Johnson, I think, was the last. Was he the last wide receiver taken first? Twenty-five years ago. How many years ago was that? I don't know. Yeah, that's uh, that's crazy, Harry. I think mm-hmm. you're wasting money. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Apologize to everyone for wasting. I'm wasting that, that, more that, fake money. <laughs> you know what, Harry? Just put that <laughs> when you walk by Cliff Kingsbury trash today. Just put that pick right there. <laughs> Unbelievable. It, was, it wasn't there today. He already pulled it. He already pulled it back. Already went by. Oh, he did. All right. <laughs> There you go. All right. I'm looking for a quarterback. I, I I might just go Sammy Ellinger. Why not? I don't know. I might go nine. I might take three I'm, or four I'm right su- in the I'm surprised. 75 to 90. I'm surprised Harry didn't go with like Brock Purdy or somebody like that. You know how? Yeah. Harry, where are you? on right, 10,000 to one for my boy, Brock Purdy. <laughs> my God. Oh. I mean, I don't uh, Paulie Kidd, the best receiver in the draft was taken at number 17 this year. And I, uh, and Harry it, thinks he's going to be number one next year. Yeah. That's, also that's from why. Yeah, from Oklahoma. I don't know. Yeah, that's ridiculous. All right. Uh, That brings us to our sponsored segment, Captain Morgan's Make Believe Riverboat Casino. Each week, the degenerate trifecta and I set sail, tackling pretend propositions related to sports and pop culture events. Hey, the last dance. Everyone, no matter what they're doing during the week, uh, no one's busy, but they park it Sunday, 9 Eastern on ESPN. They're watching this last dance, two hours of uh, this documentary, this Michael Jordan documentary. It's been good. It's been real good. I, I They do jump around a lot. I don't think Parley Kid. Uh, maybe we'll cut him some slack because I don't think they thought they'd roll these out two at a time. So, like, when you say, like, one of them focuses on Rodman and then in the next one we see the second one, he's not even on the team. I don't know. It, yeah. it, 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 it bothers me a little, but I'll, I'll give him I'll, – Cut them some slack because I don't think they meant to roll these out this way. I did on Twitter put out a poll. Who has the most punchable face on the last dance? Uh, <laughs> I only put up Jerry Krause and Isaiah Thomas as the options. Krause wins in a landslide, 63-37. That was 7,500 votes. The captain approached me. He's like, hey, 
throw it up to the fellas. Let's put odds on this. Who does have the most punchable face? We can go with Kraus at minus 350. Isaiah Thomas plus 160. Dennis Rodman, 7-2. to two. Or the field at 5-2. to two. Brother Bry, start us off. Yeah, well, when you put this out there, I mean, I wasn't even trying to think of anybody else other than Isaiah Thomas. Uh, you know, being a Nick fan, mm-hmm. a long-suffering Nick fan, I have, even though mm-hmm. it's obviously James Dolan's fault, I have blamed Isaiah Thomas even even to this day for where the Knicks are um, at this point. But just seeing him in the last dance, I mean, the excuses he's making for not shaking hands, there's just, he always has that smirk on his face yeah. uh, that you just yeah. want to punch right off of him. Um, so, so to me, it's easy, especially again, being a Knicks fan. Yeah. Why is it though? Magic has a nice smile that lights up the room. You think Isaiah has a nice smile kind of, you know, anything you would ask for in a smile, but they're so different in terms of how we view them. <laughs> right. right. Is it just this history that, uh, it's behind it? Uh, I don't know. Parlay kid. Who do you like? I uh, have to agree with brother Brian or as much as I wanted to take, uh, maybe the field and take like Will Purdue, um, <laughs> From the Bulls, when he, they, he hardly ever shows up in it, but when I see him in the background, I something about him too. But uh, <laughs> Isaiah is an easy one here for us uh, Nick fans. Uh, Fifty six and one hundred eight as a coach. Uh, then they moved him to the front office, where he proceeded to uh, cost the Knicks eleven point seven million dollars in a sexual harassment lawsuit. Uh, something smug about him. Uh, obviously, Jordan has a disdain for him. It might have to do with uh, a few years ago at a IU UNC basketball game. Isaiah held up a uh, a big uh, fat, uh, you know, one of those big posters of uh, Jordan's face of him crying. Mm-hmm. Uh, just stuff like that he does, which uh, he obviously gets under the skin of uh, Jordan. And um, that's what just says something about him to me even more than I already thought. So. Uh, definitely a guy you'd like to maybe take a, a take a swing at. All right. Yeah, I mean, look, you're not going to get any other answer from a Knicks fan, that's for sure. Harry, who are you saying here? Well, you know, Isaiah definitely is a weasel. Always played like the good guy, but he really wasn't. Uh, some cheap shots, too, from him. But I'm going to take the favorite here of Krause. I mean, it's just so smug, so arrogant, and just the way he's his demeanor, the way he comes off. I'm, I'm Usually I won't, I'll go off the board here, but I'm just going to go with Krause. He's got that big nose. He can just pop him right in the face. <laughs> wow. It'd be great to hit smack him. I mean, let you know, didn't want to let Jordan do his thing, and just uh, it'd be Krause easily. Wow. Well, the guy's dead, Harry. What do you mean it'd be great? It'd be great to just smack him. Uh, yeah. No, I'm going to I'm going to split my vote here. I, I know this is not allowed, but I want to punch Kraus in the stomach because I think that'd be funny to see him uh, double over. But uh, but yeah, uh, Isaiah gets one right in the noggin. Uh, not, knock that smile right off his face. Just too much. Too much history there. And I'm not buying into any of it. Uh, Jim Cunningham, what do you say? I can see Kraus going down like a King Hippo and Mike Tyson's punch out or something. But um. <laughs> I hate Isaiah, too, as a Knicks fan, but I was going to go off the board. I think um, that little kid who got Michael Jordan's autograph and held up traffic. Oh, yeah. Remember, he like jumped out. It was like maybe the first episode. He looked like the yodeling Walmart kid. I'd take that kid. Right. There was also the French guy. <laughs> yeah, the who, producer uh, was who asked for the autograph, too. Miking him up and asked for the autograph, too. What are you doing? That was fun. Yeah. Let's punch him in the face, too. All right, Jim Cunningham. Thanks for that. Jim, where can people see you on uh, Twitter? Um. At Jim Cunningham and the eyes are ones. Did I stump you there, Jim? Did you change it or something? I, I felt like you yeah. hesitated there. Yeah, I, okay. I forgot for a minute. All right. Jim might be considering a change in his Twitter handle. So <laughs> use use that one. Uh, use that one while you can. Uh, Brother Bry, what about you? Yeah, I'm at the Brother Bry. Uh, like I told you last week, uh, now that the draft is over, I'm immediately depressed. <laughs> um, well, but at least in two weeks, right, we're going to have some UFC coming on. So uh, yeah. That'll yeah. be fun. Hopefully that doesn't get canceled again. But um, yeah, we, we should have a nice, I would think if anything, uh, if any sport's going to survive right now, it's UFC and we should have a nice little run of that. So I'm looking forward to that. That's yeah. 11 days away, right? So next yeah. podcast, we'll yeah. be able to talk. Yeah, okay. next pod. Sure. It's a good right. one too. Good, good, good. All right, Parlay Kid. I'm at the Chalk Talker, Sal. And I also think next week is our uh, three-year anniversary. Is that of, right? Uh, this podcast. Yeah, wow. yeah. That, that yeah, would make sense. Right. Nice. All right. Well, oh, maybe nice. uh, Harry could um, send us something nice from Cliff Kingsbury's garbage to celebrate. <laughs> Wrap it up nice and <laughs> tight in a boat. What about you, Harry? Uh, I hope you get arrested from one of these things. This would be really uh, good. 
<laughs> uh, I'm at AO Harry. Uh, also, uh, check out my articles on oddshark.com. And again, Brother Brythe, uh, thank you and, and uh, the Parlay Kid for being on the bestbetcorner.com. Last night, uh, we had a good time talking about the draft and uh, what we did on Thursday. Brian had the Zoom. Uh, zoom uh going on we had like 12 people on and we had a good time so uh yeah everybody will be safe and thanks harry why don't you do it from cliff kingsbury's uh driveway the next <laughs> your next uh whatever this is podcast or radio show and to, do it until you get thrown out that'll be good from inside his garbage can <laughs> inside right right yeah just pop out it uh, was full like it was like it was like ridiculously full for a little guy <laughs> yeah something's definitely going on <laughs> for someone to have a uh, full garbage in this day and age. harry's worried about uh, his diet and everything he's like i don't know he's eating a lot yeah <laughs> exactly he's got 700 rolls of extra toilet paper and water and he's talking about someone's full garbage it's craziness yeah, he's concerned about him yet he's going through his garbage <laughs> That's real. You've turned into your brother. You realize that. Harry, Listen, right? I'll just, I'll just take a picture. I'll just take a picture of myself next to the trash can next uh, tomorrow. There you go. All right. Uh, hey, don't go anywhere. We have Andrew Brandt on. Big sports insider, sports business insider, Packers, longtime uh, vice president. He's going to talk to us about the draft. Just hang in there. As the novel coronavirus pandemic escalates in the U.S., public health officials are encouraging those who are experiencing signs or symptoms of COVID-19, such as coughing or fever, to seek medical guidance remotely. If you or a loved one are feeling sick or are just feeling worried, there is a way to get help without leaving home. Roe is offering free telehealth services for people seeking guidance and information on COVID-19. The service is available free of charge in all 50 states and Washington, D.C. Roe's free online assessment will help determine if you are at risk and, if appropriate, Roe will connect you with a medical provider for a free consultation. The assessment was designed by doctors and infectious disease experts and is based on guidelines from the CDC and WHO. Visit Roe.co slash coronavirus on your phone or laptop to complete a free online assessment or just learn more. If you're worried that you may be experiencing symptoms, go to Roe.co slash coronavirus to start your free assessment today. That's ro.co slash coronavirus. All right, welcome back to Against All Odds. Joining us now, one of the great sports business insiders, longtime front office guy, former VP for the Packers, now has a podcast, The Business of Sports, and a new column up on sportsillustrated.com detailing Green Bay's draft choices. Andrew Brandt, thanks for coming on Against All Odds, buddy. Sal, always a pleasure to be with you after uh, the NFL pushed through free agency in the draft, and now we'll see what's next on the sports calendar. Wasn't that nice? I was thinking about it for you. You must have mixed emotions because it's weird for you to not be involved after being in a war room so many years and then to see a, a very strange scaled down, but I think successful variation of this. What, what did you think overall of the, of the draft? Yeah, I had a weird feeling. It was a, kind of a feeling of envy and a feeling <laughs> I haven't had watching the war rooms of the past year since I left the Packers. And really, the envy came to, down to family. You know, imagine doing that the 10 years I was sitting in that war room with all these guys and no chance of bringing our kids around until it right. was over or maybe you get a snack here or there and you see your wife but yeah I mean I had a feeling of envy watching all these kids come in the room and it was relaxed and there wasn't that tension and yeah it was a different feeling watching this because draft is and may never be again that's an interesting see see if it happens it's just sort of this tension and it's the biggest moment of the off season and you're filling out the team and you know the feeling i got this weekend maybe you too is like we're just drafting football players you know we're not solving Mm -hmm. world peace let's relax have some fun it's funny because bring your kid to work day, i believe was last week and yeah like you said in in general you would probably think i'll bring my kid to work any day except draft day and then, like we saw, it was uh, not only possible, but it was like a it was a positive. I think the Jets GM they like they well, my son's birthday was today, and we draft we got him as quarterback. You know that that's it was, it was like nice stories throughout. Some terrible stories throughout too, but some nice ones too when you yeah. involve the family. <laughs> I heard some from a couple executives in the league that you know shining shining moments for the league, not only to sort of 
do the draft-a-thon and bring awareness and bring money to the COVID efforts, but also to show, show everyone in, in more their setting rather than this kind of cold setting of a war room. And uh, I felt it watching it. I think a lot of people did too. And we knew, Sal, it was going to break record ratings simply because there's no sports. Everyone's starved for it. Right. But I think that rating even exceeded their expectations. And I think what what I've heard a lot of people is, is they kind of stayed with it through Saturday, which they wouldn't usually do because it was so cool. They just wanted to continue to watch it through Saturday. Ratings were up um, as far as like gambling on the draft itself. That went up 10 times as much as uh, the previous year. Of course, with not having hockey playoffs, NBA playoffs and baseball to contend. Yeah. That would would make sense. Let me ask. I don't like giving grades to teams because it, it seems silly that a lot of these draft picks don't pay off till two, three years. I don't know if you agree down the line. So I wouldn't give a grade to any teams. But what would you say? Which team do you think reached the most and which one got the biggest steal? Yeah, it's a good question. I've been asked so much about the Packers. I haven't really had been asked about the whole draft <laughs> as a whole. We'll get uh, to the Packers in a second. But yeah, yeah, <laughs> I know we will. You know, and I think we're going to talk about the Eagles as well, but I think beyond the controversial pick of Hertz, I like what the Eagles did to really add team speed. They were kind of a plotting team last year, even with Deshaun. Of course, Deshaun got hurt. Mm-hmm. And they sort of made themselves a different kind of team. They found a couple potential replacements for Malcolm Jenkins, which their big loss. And then all these receivers that can run. Now let's see if they can catch, but they can run. So I really like what the Eagles did. I like what the Ravens did. The Ravens are always kind of doing the same thing. Tough, hard-hitting, you know, just just you want to go to war with all the cliches, the kind of players they get. And, of course, the Chiefs doing what they always do, getting more toys for Andy Reid, making the most creative options possible. You know, and sort of scratch your head. (laughs) I mean, listen, I'll just say this. If, If any other GM took a D2 guy in the second round and a controversial kicker in the fifth round, we'd be saying, what the hell? You know, what the hell? And that's what the Patriots did. And, of course, you got to give a lot of credit to Belichick for what he's done, but you're like, whoa. I mean, it just a lot of scratch your head and not taking a quarterback. If he didn't see one, I get it. But, uh, you know, I just think that, I'm not sure Stidham and Hoyer are the last quarterbacks on that roster, so I don't know what's next. Well, how much of you think it's a chance? Like, I, I don't know who would have had to have been available for Belichick to have taken a quarterback. A lot of people thought uh, with Brady going to Tampa Bay and then Gronk a few days before the draft signing with Tampa Bay, like, oh, wow. Well, Coach Belichick's definitely going to have to take a quarterback now. It's like, no, no, no. I think it's all a challenge. He needs to win with the anti-Brady. Like you said, Stidham or Hoyer, or one of these guys. I, like it, It's just weird that he's, he's really dug his heels in when it comes to uh, to this. Now, the the uh, controversial kicker and punter and all that stuff, I don't know yeah. about. But, but yeah, I don't. I wasn't surprised that he didn't take a pass on a quarterback either. Yeah, I mean, I talked and wrote about for for months, and I know you and Bill have talked about it a lot in terms mm-hmm. of Brady and the Patriots. You know, I, I lived through the divorce of Favre and the Packers, I just saw a lot of similarities where it was, there was no wooing by the Patriots. You know, we wooed Brett back during all those retirement rumors for so many years. And then at the end it was like, yeah, we're not going to woo him. And if he wants to come back, okay, but we're not going to woo him. And then of course, Brady redid his contract to get out. It just never seemed like there was a match that was going to continue there. And you're right. What's the thinking behind it from the Patriots side? Maybe it's that, hey, it's not a question of Brady being great or not, but we can win. We can win without that level of quarterback. And, of course, then Belichick's legacy would go through the roof. Right. I liken it to Jerry Jones never hiring a GM because he doesn't want to get in a position where, you know, Jimmy Johnson got all the credit for draft picks and everything, right? So it's it's the same kind of thing if, if, uh, you know, if Belichick brings in a Jameis Winston or something, still a very capable quarterback, went high in the draft years ago, uh, a lot of upside. Again, he doesn't want to share the credit. I think he wants to start from scratch. Um, you mentioned the Packers. You do a great job on your SI.com yeah. article breaking down the difference between when the Packers drafted Rodgers uh, while they had Favre as an aging quarterback and a few days ago when they drafted uh, Jordan Love with Aaron Rodgers still a few years later 
left on the contract. I don't know how I'm supposed to feel. And, and at first I was like, oh my God, wow. I can't believe they're doing this to Aaron Rodgers. And then it comes out like since 2005, since he was drafted, they've never taken a skill position player in the first round to help them. Now, I don't know that going the Denver Broncos way is the way to go either. Taking Drafting two receivers for uh, Drew Locke. I don't know if you load up. I know you you build from the inside out, but what are we supposed to do? Should he have gotten that help? And and what what summarize what you think, what you said in the article about what this means to the Packers? Well, first, let's unpack exactly what I sat through 15 years ago to the day. It was eerie. You know, it was a real deja vu moment for me, almost, like I said, eerie, where we sat there in April of 2005, Sal, and two things happened that night. Number one, every guy we wanted, gone, <laughs> except mm-hmm. one. You know, we wanted your guys. We wanted Marcus Spears, Cowboys, gone. We wanted DeMarcus Ware, Cowboys, gone. We wanted Derek Johnson, linebacker, gone, Kansas City. So that happened. The second thing that happened, of course, is no one was taking Rodgers. Even teams that told him if he's there, they'd take him. So we had this confluence of events that came to us, and we realized, oh, my God, we are looking at one name. And that, mm-hmm. that player plays the same position as the most durable quarterback in the history of the sport. Never gets hurt, ever. And right. my coaches are on my right, and they're saying, no freaking way, no way. Do not take someone that's not going to help us this year or next year or who knows, never. And on my left, Ted Thompson's like, hey, Andrew, what do we always say? Trust the board. Mm-hmm. So I said, listen, if we do this, Brett's going to be upset. Brett's agent's going to be upset. Aaron's probably going to put on a good face, but he's come to a place that's cold and they'll never play. Our fans will be upset. The fans and media will be upset. And no one will like this. And then I said, but I think we should do it. (laughs) Because (laughs) if we're going to stand for something, you know, let's stand for our scouting. And our scouting says that's the guy. So we did. We had Lambeau Field booed. Everyone paid. Brett called it. And then... So uh, the difference, Sal, is that in 2020, it wasn't a question of the player falling in our lap like Aaron Rodgers. They made an affirmative step to go get him. Now, their hope is, their hope, I understand. They say, we've had a franchise quarterback on this roster for almost 30 years. Mm -hmm. And the goal is to make that 45 years. And we think this is the guy. The obvious question is when. And the win is really something where I've staked my ground before saying, hey, no first-round quarterback's ever going to sit three years like Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. And here we go. I don't think he'll sit three, though. <laughs> I don't think he'll sit. Obviously, he won't play this year, barring injury. And I don't think he'll play next year. But we're looking at 2022, to me, as kind of the transfer date. And then what to do with Aaron? Yeah, that's. I think you're right. I'm, that, that's why it's even more damning the difference between the Favre year and the Rodgers year now, A, you went after the guy where you did, and he just fell in your lap back when, when you were explaining. And, and B, like you said, guys would sit three years back then. They could back up. They could learn. It doesn't happen. I think you pointed it out. It only really happens with Mahomes where he sat for one year, and then it was off to the races with him. So Aaron Rodgers has to be feeling some extra pressure he didn't he didn't necessarily want, right? Yeah, and I just I've said, you know, and I've even told people in Green Bay this, like, you've got to manage this. And I, we don't know exactly what Aaron's reaction is, but you've got to manage this. And it was tough, man. I mean, three years I was hearing from Brett's camp all the time, you know, hey, Andrew, do you know what it's like to come into work every day and sit with your replacement? And then I was hearing from Aaron's camp, like, when is he going to play? When? Will he ever play? And you just have to sort of say, you have to be professional and tactful with both sides and say, yeah, you know, just hold on, hold on. This will become clear at some point. So I would think they're going through that again. Like the kid's going to, not now, but at some point the kid's going to say, hey, can I play? You know? Yeah. And Aaron's got four years left and Aaron is Aaron and he's the top of the game and massive contract implications. So all that's on the table now. And the way you pointed out too, like Packers fans are spoiled. Like they've had two quarterbacks in the last 30 years. Okay. Well, if you're going to keep that going and that's a nice thing, by the way, I talked to any Browns fan and see how comforting that is <laughs> what a, that to not have to worry about who your quarterback is. But 
if you're winning 10 games every year, you're not going to be able to grab one of the top three right there normally, right? It just doesn't pay off. So if you had to reach for love, I don't know that he's the answer. This, you know, we have 17 interceptions last year. His completion percentage went down, but it, that is the way to do it, yeah. right? If a guy, guy, you have to kind of have to go after somebody eventually, even if it's a couple of years early. What about a Dylan Aaron Jones kind of thing? It, it, that was another little bit of a head scratcher, right? Yeah. Also, as well, you sort of figure out. Well, wait a minute. You know, Aaron led the league in touchdowns. It yeah. may be a slight on. It may be a slight on Jamal Williams as kind of the one-two, one-two punch guy. Maybe this guy becomes the one-two punch instead of Jamal. We'll see. I don't think. Mm-hmm. Aaron Jones is going to really get too much affected by this. And then you go to receiver, and I've, I've been hearing it, as you have. Why don't the Packers take a receiver? Right. And all those years, they've never taken a one receiver, although when I was there, we took Javon Walker way back in the day. But, mm-hmm. you know, they've taken Jordy and Donald Dr- I mean, uh, Randall Cobb and Devontae, all these second-round picks. It's not like they're yeah. first, but they've outplayed a lot of first-rounders. Mm-hmm. I think I'd take a little, I'd take a little probably um, personally that we, I heard it from Brett all those years too. We're not surrounding him with this all world talent at the skill positions. You know, Brett was like, why not Randy Moss? Why not Terrell Owens? And, you know, that's something you just, the Packers are not going to be one of those teams. They're just not going to be one of those quick fix teams that some teams are. Yeah, but I, and it's especially hurtful probably for Aaron Rodgers that the Vikings go and get a, uh, a receiver, one of the better receivers right there, LSU kid Jefferson, and uh, you know the Bears draft. Bears now going into the season with twelve tight ends. This one from Notre Dame. Um, so you know everyone else in the division is building around them. But yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting to see. You have a million great draft stories. You told one on Twitter. I don't if you don't mind repeating. I don't want to. Um, give the punchline, but $200 is involved. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because um, what I said was different about the virtual draft. It didn't really matter as much as people thought it might with things like drafting. But once you got to after the draft on Saturday, I thought that was going to be a problem because you need those people in the room around mm-hmm. you. To, they're recruiting coaches, you're recruiting players, you got agent on the phone, you got player on the phone. It can Deals happen in a matter of seconds, if not minutes. So I've always loved stories from that. Before I get to the big, the story I'll end with is the story of when someone, this will please you, I guess, because that 2003 draft, someone mm-hmm. just yells, hey, anyone want to sign this kid Tony Romo? Oh, yeah. He, he's from uh, Wisconsin. <laughs> We're like, no, no, we don't want Romo. We got some other quarterback. <laughs> Who knows? Anyway, the story that's my my favorite story, and I'll, I'll, I'm embarrassed to admit I don't even know remember the name of this kid. He lasted about two weeks, but sometimes uh, they don't have a they don't have agents. So I was dealing mm-hmm. directly with this kid, and and I said to him, "Listen, okay, we're going to do the deal." And he said, "Great," and I said, "And the bonus will be a thousand dollars." And you hear him kind of mm-hmm. pause, and then he's like. Um, Mr. Brandt, I only have 200 right now, but I'll bring the rest when I get there. <laughs> that and is I, unbelievable. And I, I paused a minute and I said to him, no, no, I said, wait a minute. No, 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 no. We pay you. We pay you. <laughs> and he goes, really? <laughs> I'm like, yes, yes, yes. No, no. You just come here. We'll sign the contract. You get the money. Really? <laughs> like, yeah. That so, is great. I, yeah, I've got a lot of lot of love on Twitter because do you it really to, shows, you know, do, the humanity. Do you happen to re- remember what he scored on the Wonderlook test? Because I think that would be telling. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. The poor kid, you know, and he was he was out of his element when he got there. And again, I don't even remember his name, but what a yeah. sweet story. By the way, it might come to that where players have to pay to play. It's very sad. Tell me, Andrew, how do they fix this mess? As a, if you're a betting man, are they going 16 games? Are they going 13 games starting October? What are you hearing? How do we get football back? Well, they're certainly the luckiest league. I know that's the relative word. They can watch mm-hmm. and wait NBA, NHL, baseball. They can see what the tracing does, see what the testing does, see how it goes with fans, without fans, commercial fans about the biosphere concept, whatever it's going to be, they're the luckiest because they got time. 
Mm-hmm. So, you know, assuming we're not out of the woods on this thing, I guess my best guess is 12 or 14 game season, starting with layered fans, moving up to less layered fans. Mm-hmm. But I do think, well, yeah, I do think they're, they're full speed ahead. And I do think this will happen at some form. All right. Well, that would be great. I just, uh, the only thing I've heard, and I've heard a lot of models thrown our way, but what happens if you have a Rudy Gobert situation? Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. You, do you just treat it like the flu and like, all right, listen, he's going to go and he's going to get, you know, Aaron Rodgers is going to quarantine for 14 days and then he's going to come back or, or does everyone freak out and close down? Do you think they're, they ha- do you think the owners in the league have a handle on that aspect of it? I guess I would say no at this point, but I think they will. And again, watching and learning from others. You know, in my day, Sal, we had something called, it's still there, of course, MRSA. Yeah, right. And I remember we did exactly that. We quarantined the player. Hmm. Uh, I don't know if it was 14 days. I think it was more like five or six days. Uh, We had a couple cases of that. And if you remember, there was a lot of guidelines from the NFL. And we had Duke University people come in and do the micro cleaning and everything else. So they certainly have the resources, you know, there's no shortage of money. So if they can do all the cleaning and testing, uh, you know, I just, I'm confident in their ability to get it done. If other leagues show, show a little bit of a way to do it. All right. You know what? I'm confident in your confidence. I really am. His podcast is the business of sports. He's got a new column up on sportsillustrated.com going over Packers, the disaster, or maybe it turns out to be a good thing. Andrew Brandt, thanks for coming on Against All Odds, pal. My pleasure, Sal. All right, all right, that'll do it for another episode of Against All Odds with Cousin Sal. Locking in segments with me and the crew airing on The Herd on FS1 all week. Watch Jimmy Kimmel Live 1135 tonight and every weeknight on ABC. That's that for the Degenerate Trifecta Hill producer, Jim Cunningham and Andrew Brandt. I'm Sal saying so long and happy handicapping.